everyone, it is Stephanie Postles, the host of Up Next in Commerce. Before we get into our latest interview with another e-commerce leader, I wanted to let you know that the Up Next in Commerce podcast is now available for sponsorship for the first time ever. By partnering with us, your company will be connected to interviews with the most compelling founders, CEOs, VPs, and digital leaders in the world of commerce today. You have nothing to gain but thousands of followers and millions of impressions each and every month. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to see how your business can benefit from partnering with our team at Up Next in Commerce. Welcome to Up Next in Commerce, the show that takes you to the front lines of what's happening in digital, retail, and beyond, with conversations from fast-growing startups to the Fortune 500 and everything in between. You'll get a glimpse into what's next. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, the co-founder and CEO of mission.org, and I'll be your guide through all the trends, innovations, and hot topics in the world of commerce. Finding the best visual companion to your content is often a tough task. Getty Images has been making it easier for brands and individuals for decades. And on this episode, Grant Farhall, the Chief Product Officer at Getty Images, dives into the predictive trends that can be found within their search tool. Plus, he answers all my questions around how the backend search engine actually works. Well, without giving away too much of the secret sauce, of course. And we dive into how Getty is prepping for a future that's going all in on video and the metaverse. What are business leaders thinking about when they aren't winning a business? Family, travel, the latest TV show? Yes, yes, and maybe. But how about quirky business opportunities or little discussed financial trends or maybe even plant medicine benefits and alternative wellness? Mission Daily is back, baby, and our flagship podcast is better than ever. Mission Daily is the podcast for the business builder, the thoughtful marketer, the team manager, the blue-collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Grant, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat today. I have not had many conversations that revolve around imagery. So I think this is going to be really interesting and unique for a lot of the people listening. So super excited. Thanks for being here. First, though, I want to hear about your career journey. Before you got into the world that you're in today, tell me a bit about where you came from. Sure. So I had a Bachelor of Commerce in marketing many years ago, more than 25 years ago. And that was really, you know, when marketing was much different. It was um, just as the online and digital world was was on the rise. It was more traditional advertising and traditional marketing and those type of things. So my first job coming out of university was for a small design and advertising agency in Calgary called Idea Machine, and that's really where I, I cut my teeth. And, and the interesting thing is that's where I first got exposed to photography and stock photography and visuals and. We had these catalogs of, of stock images that were royalty-free and we could use, but we had a few thousand images in that library from Image Club and iWire and PhotoDisk and things like that. And that's the first time I learned that, oh, you, 
you have to license images. You just can't use any images. And, and not all images are shot by customers. You, you have these stock images. So that was where I first sort of encountered the idea of stock imagery and royalty-free imagery, but it was sort of in the, pre, the pre-online time. Uh, so I worked in that space for about 10 years, and then I made a career pivot and decided to go back to school and take broadcasting and broadcast journalism. Came out and worked in, in radio, doing news and sports, uh, traffic and weather and all that stuff for about eight years, and really enjoyed that. But financially, it was, it was not good. So I made a decision to pivot again. Wait, did you have a different voice, like a radio voice that you like would? No, out? I don't think. You know, ah. it's interesting. I, th- that was sort of the old school way where everyone had the radio voice. The guy can kind of put yeah, it on. Hey everyone, this is Grant. Yeah, <laughs> but where radio has really gone in the last couple, uh, last ten years, I would say is is they want people who sound more more natural. Mm-hmm. So it's less about having the radio voice. Yeah, until that comes back again, everything comes back. So everything comes back. That's right. <laughs> So anyways, I did that. And then, yeah, I decided for financial and family reasons to pivot again. And that's when I had the good fortune of, of convincing Getty Images to bring me aboard initially as a product manager. And you know, 12 years later, I'm doing what I'm doing now, and I'm very grateful for it. Amazing. So at Getty Images, what does your day-to-day look like today? So in my role, the day-to-day is uh, working very collaboratively across many different groups at Getty Images, our content team, our marketing team. My team, which is a lot of product management, e-commerce, uh, and product design, and really we're we're focused on um, making it easy for customers to find and license the right visual content from us. And, and obviously, a lot of that work involves the experiences through our websites, but all, there's other ways that people access our our visual content as well, including both GettyImages.com and iStock. So you know, really, we're trying to make that process very easy for our customers. So the way that I think about product is product's responsibility is to identify those opportunities, identify those most meaningful problems, and then create a collaborative environment where the right solution gets surfaced. Doesn't, doesn't matter where it comes from, wherever that right idea sits from the right individual and the right teams, let's identify it and then let's test and, and implement it. So a lot of our work is doing that. It's understanding what's happening with our customers. It's understanding what's happening with our business. And then it's leading my team to put everyone in the position to, to succeed. And success for us looks like solving customer problems. If we solve customer problems and make them happy, the right business outcomes will, will follow. Mm-hmm. So I know the world of stock imagery well. Back before Mission was what it is today, a network of you know C-suite podcasts, we were building a medium publication. Mm. And we were always, I mean, we had tons of people writing for us and we were always trying to find images to swap in and make them better. And it was an interesting journey trying to figure out how to find the right images. There, there was like a flood of them. And so hearing that that's you know the problem every day that you're thinking about, like how to make this easy for a customer to find the perfect image and to license it. I mean, I could have used that back in 2017. <laughs> well, and, and the thing is, is there's there's hundreds of millions now, right? Yeah. So the, yeah. the chances are we have the right one. And I, I'm always fascinated by the fact that when you're doing that work, you you probably start off and you've got that picture in your head. Yeah. Pretty good idea of what you're looking for. And then you're taking that picture and you're trying to figure out how to describe it in the right words. Yeah. And you put that into search engines or you put that into our websites. And then we see those words. And then we're trying to figure out what those words mean and translate it back into a visual. And so it starts with a visual, it ends with a visual, but in between, it's a bunch of words. And that's where there's tremendous opportunity to both get it right and get it wrong. And the ability for us to understand what you're really looking for is key. So, I mean, if you're, if you're saying you're looking for an apple, 
that's easy. We know what an apple is. We have many images of apples. They're very apple-y. We can show you a lot of apple-y apples. However, when you get into more conceptual terms, which I think are the most more interesting parts of, of that creative experience, if you're searching for images of happiness or success or teamwork or failure or frustration or whatever that concept is, well, what does that look like? It looks like many different things. So how do we understand what the right visual is that you're looking for? That's one of the more fascinating problems that we're constantly solving. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I think about the keywords that I used to put in, like you're saying, like successful, stormy, like clouds and things would pop up. And I'm like, no, I did not want someone on a boat. Like, and so yeah, interesting thinking about like how to get into my brain of like what I'm looking for to actually deliver back to me something that I want to use. And then thinking and about other cultures of like, what does happiness mean to them? What does success mean to them? Like probably a very different visual than what it maybe means to me. Yep, exactly. Right. And, and the relationship between words tells us a lot. But I also think it's really important that we are not here to decide what happiness looks like or whatever that concept is. What we want to do is present you with several different depictions of that that allow you to narrow down that path and ultimately find the right visual for what you're trying to communicate. And that to me, again, is, is, a, is a fascinating thing to try and figure out to do well. Yeah. How do you, I mean, how do you train the models on the back end? I mean, are the customers kind of training them in a way for other customers to find what works? Or like, what does that look like to be able to present the best options to a customer? Sure. I mean, without, without giving up the secret sauce. Give me all the were, secrets. Don't hold anything back, Grant. I mean, I, I don't think you'll be surprised to, to know that our search engine works not, not dissimilar to, to most, which is that, yeah, you're, you're, you're leveraging the customer input on a constant basis to improve the algorithm. So you're understanding, okay, well, customers who searched for this term in the past really liked these images. So you use that to establish and build relevance. But then you have to bring in other dimensions, you know, as, as you talked about. How is it different depending on where the person in the world is? How do you deal with the fact that things change? A good example is how visuals really changed very suddenly because of the pandemic. Visuals are always changing. The way that we represent ourselves as individuals, as people, as a society, as concept, that is constantly changing. But it's typically more organic and more gradual. If you went back and look at what an image of business looks like today versus 10 years ago, you would see it looks very different. But what was interesting about the pandemic was it happened in a moment. Suddenly, what it looked like in terms of business meetings and education, travel, and leisure and dating, all those things changed in a moment. I mean, a really clear example was we needed images and visuals of people wearing masks in all those environments. We needed images of people collaborating via Zoom because that became more of the norm. And that happened very suddenly. So how do you make sure that you get those visuals and your search engine can react fast enough to make sure that you're surfacing those more contemporary current depictions to customers in the search results? You know, so again, multiple dimensions. There's the relevance, but there's other dimensions that really play into getting people to that right visual. Yeah. So how did you source those visuals really quickly to be able to give the customers what they wanted? We're fortunate. We um, our, our visuals, our creative visuals on GettyImages.com and on iStock are sourced a lot through a, a community base. Um, and we have a network of hundreds of thousands of contributors, photographers, videographers, illustrators that provide us with that material. And we have a, a subset of those who are exclusive to us. And we work extremely closely with them. So we are able to 
put out briefs to them and other information to let them know we need these things. Now, our contributors are also very savvy. They're paying attention to what's happening in the world. They understand what's changing. They understand the opportunities to update the visual depictions of, of concepts. But we can activate that contributor base very quickly. And they're a very talented group of professionals that are able to capture those moments and update those moments very quickly and get them for us. So that's really what Getty Images is really good at, is working with talented individuals to source and to get to our customers those compelling visuals. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So I'm sure you guys have a lot of access to trends that are occurring, being able to see, you know, what are people searching for? What do you see right now? Has anything changed within the past couple of months, whether it comes to either yeah, visual imagery search? Yeah. Like, what are you seeing on your side? Well, I'll say I'll say this. Not only do we have access to that data, we actually now are providing customers access to that data. So if you go to our websites, getimages.com and iStockphoto.com, you'll see something called Visual GPS Insights. And customers can go in there and they can now see trending search data. What are our customers searching for on our sites? Uh, they can compare terms. They can see it at a, at a geography level. Uh, and then they can see actually what customers are downloading against those terms. So you can actually start to identify those trends yourself as one of our customers and then understand the visuals that customers are using to, to talk about those trends. Do those trends line up with Google? Like, would they be similar to what's happening over in Google? Or do you think the customers on Getty are very different? I think there'd be places where it's similar. And I think there'd be places where it departs. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that would depend on the topics and whatnot. But, but I do think there's interesting things. I mean, I, I, I was looking at one the other day where I was, because again, you can compare two terms. So I was looking at COVID uh, versus mental wellness or mental health. And what's really interesting is as, as COVID has sort of, I don't want to say we're coming out of it because I don't know that's a certainty. Uh, but as we're learning to live with it, you know, we've seen that sort of start to gradually drop in terms of a search term. And all of a sudden now we've seen a spike in people looking for imagery to to talk about mental health and mental well-being. And, and that, that to me is interesting because I think that illustrates what's happening in our society, which is coming out of the pandemic. We have a lot of mental health challenges. Um, we've all been very isolated. It was hard on many people for many different reasons. And and. And you know we're now seeing that our customers are trying to communicate and tell stories about that topic, and that's that has spiked. I find that interesting and and fascinating. Those are the types of trends I look for, but you can also see seasonal trends. Like I was looking at one the other day of you know skiing versus hiking in Canada, and not surprisingly, it, it kind of matched what you would expect. It's always interesting when you're looking at visual content trends, though, because it kind of always hits before. So for instance, we see Christmas spike, not in December, but in like September, October, because that's when retailers and that's when other companies start to promote Christmas. And you know that's when you see the decorations go up in the stores, right? Like it's happening early and earlier every year. So we're always a little bit ahead of when you would think it to land. It's always a little bit ahead of the curve in that way. Yep. I mean, how do you prevent your customers from all seeing a trend, we'll just say, maybe we'll say a Christmas one. And all of a sudden they're all using the same Christmas tree photo. Like I remember this happening on Medium all the time where it's like every article had the same kind of photos back in 2017. Yeah. And I was like, oh, can't we all just be a little bit more unique? And now if you're showing them like, hey, here's what's trending in Christmas and this is the top image. And everyone's like, well, if that's the top image for everyone else, I might as well use it, must be doing well. Like how do you 
maybe encourage people to like think differently and pick different imagery? Well, I, I think there's a couple things there. I, I I think you've hit on something that's that's actually really uh, really on point. Some of our customers use that information to not select those visuals. So mm-hmm. if they're searching on the website and they will they're seeing what the top images are, they will click like five or six pages deep into search to find something that is less popular very intentionally. Mm-hmm. Other customers will actually intentionally use a more popular image because they feel that it's validated by other professionals and other creatives. If you're someone who maybe is having to do creative work, but don't consider yourself a creative, then that validation of, oh, a lot of people use this image. It must be a good one. Therefore, I'm going to use it. it. That's sort of the safer choice. And sometimes the safer choice is is okay to take. So people use that information for different reasons. I would say, number one, with us, part of the reason why there's some protection against that is that we have images that are exclusive to us. A lot of the images that you will see out there on other sites are on every site. So therefore, they're distributed that much more. Whereas on iStock, if you go on the website and you filter into signature, those are images that are exclusive to us. So by virtue of that, they're getting used less. So there's that. What I would also say is I would encourage customers that one of the ways you get to the interesting part of the library is by doing what you and I were talking about earlier, which is searching less on a literal term and more searching more on a concept or an emotion. What is it you're trying to get your customer to feel? What is it you want them to do? What's what's that concept that is central to what you're communicating, not the fact that it's an apple? And I think when you start to open up your mind creatively in that way, then I think you you will see a lot a lot more range of visuals that you can use and start to break out from what the pack is doing. And because that's the key, right? Like if you think about what we're all doing right now, where you're all hammered all day long with visuals. And you just think about even if you're on your phone and you're on social media, scroll, 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 scroll. There's something that stands out that causes you to pause, right? Because otherwise you're just flipping through stuff. And there's a moment where you actually decide, oh, wait, that's interesting. And more often than not, that thing that is causing you to pause is is the visual because you're not reading the words. You're moving too fast. So you have to cut through that noise. And to cut through that noise, there's real value in being different than. Don't be the same. Be different than. I was even thinking about last night, I was watching television. I I don't know about you, but I I don't watch live television anymore. Everything is recorded, right? Yeah. So even when you get to the commercials, you're skipping through the commercials. I I don't sit there and watch the commercials. You probably don't either, right? No. But every once in a while, as I'm skipping through, I'll see something. And I'll, I'll pause and I'll even go back because something cut through that visual noise and captured my attention just for that moment enough for me to say, oh, I want to actually learn more about that. And again, more often than not, that's an image or that's a piece of video that actually, for whatever reason, was able to stand out in my head and cause me to pause for a moment and want to, want to learn more. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you all study that within all the images you have. I mean, are there best practices? I'm thinking about all the people listening who have companies or they're working, you know, within commerce and probably thinking about this all the time. Like, what are maybe best practices when thinking about what images do well? Or like, what are you all seeing behind the scenes that convert better or whatever metrics you're even looking at? Or can you even get those metrics? Or do you not know after it's like out in the wild, you don't even know what happens with it? Yeah, I mean, to some extent, when it's out there in the wild, I think it's so specific to the industry you're in, to the customers you're trying to reach, to the characteristics of those customers. I actually think there's some danger in trying to suggest that 
one visual will convert better yep. across everyone. Yeah, you've seen when people do that before. It's like, oh, red converts. And all of a sudden, people have red buttons. Oh, this color. Oh, everyone has it now. And it's right. like, stops working. <laughs> you can read things out there that like images with dogs convert better, which I could kind of buy into. Dogs are great. I love dogs, yeah, right? If they're cute, yep. <laughs> Is that going to convert best for your business, for the people you're mm-hmm. reaching, in the channel you're trying to reach them, with the message you're attaching to that? I, I think it's far more nuanced than that. I think that's up to the individual. But but again, I the lens I would apply to it for anybody listening is really think about that visual. And if number one, does it does it align to the message and the emotion you're trying to convey? But is it going to cut through? Is it going to stand out? Is it going to allow you to stand out? And if not, then seek something that will. That's the number one thing that I would suggest that people really think about. And then make sure that in your campaigns, in your communications, that you are measuring that you're testing. And that's one of the great things about all the the digital platforms is that you can rapidly test the same ad with a different visual and measure that conversion and really learn and optimize as you go and and leverage a supply of imagery so that you're constantly uh, improving and trying to find that visual that's going to, again, I keep using the phrase, but I think it's, it's the right one, would cut through the visual noise that sits out there. Hey there, are you enjoying the show so far? Well, imagine your company's advertising placed right in this very spot during a future interview with another elite e-commerce mind. Imagine your messaging and logo directly connected to the industry's most prominent innovators and thought leaders, distributed across every major podcast platform and social network. Yeah, well, it's time to stop imagining. Learn how you can partner with Upnext in Commerce and sponsor this very show. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org and let's have a conversation. Have you found a way to train your customer on how to get into that mindset to think about what feeling am I trying to invoke? I mean, it sounds easy when you're like, oh, I want happiness. But then if you want to actually start adding more things to it, like, is there some kind of, I don't know, funnel the customer can go through to be like, okay, take a second and pause. Like, think about, you know, what feeling you want. What's the color that's coming to mind? Like, what will the person be doing? Like, how do you get them to actually put in enough keywords that matter to you all to surface an image back because I could see a lot of people struggling with that where it's like, yeah, we just want a happy image. Okay, can you just get, oh, none of these are what I want. Like, how do you guide them? We use a series of different things. We offer auto-suggest, which, you know, when you start to type in a word, you'll see suggestions that get made. When you're looking at images on our website, we try and show you what we call pivot points, which is, oh, hey, you like this? Well, how about these things too? And sometimes that'll be an image that is very similar and sometimes it'll be an opportunity to take it in a different direction. We offer search guides and search tips. So we're trying to, in a lot of different ways, get people to be better searchers. But it often happens, they get better the more they do it. But these are great. I mean, I love podcasts like this because it's an opportunity for me to put things out there too. Yeah. So I'll give another hint, which is when people are searching for visuals, think about both what you want and what you don't want, or what I call the power of not. So you can enter into our search engine not to exclude things. So if you want an image of a businessman, but no glasses, businessman, not glasses, and you will narrow in on a subset that's more relevant. And, and you can apply that tip across several different things, but using what it's called a Boolean is a really powerful way to give us more information through, our, through the search query so that we give you a more relevant, more on-point set of results faster. So again, use not. Very few people know that, but very few people use not. But those that do are highly successful at finding the right visual very fast. 
Yeah, those who have been in Excel and know what a Boolean is, they surely know to use not, but maybe. Yeah, love Boolean. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in a while. That's great. I mean, the one thing I'm thinking about is, you know, thinking about how to stay on top of trends. And it seems like the trends you would be seeing at Getty are more from the retailers, the commerce companies, instead of like their customer. Like, how do you make sure that you're staying ahead of what their customer might want? Because to me, like, a lot of times with the companies, you know, they're getting ahead on Christmas in September. Okay, it's not really like a trend, like everyone does it. And like, but what your customers might be looking for in December, that's a whole different thing. And how do you stay on top of what they want instead of letting the actual retailer or the commerce company dictate what a trend might be when they're trying to keep up with their customers? Does that make sense how I explained it? Yeah, I think there's a relationship there for sure. I think there's an, an overlap. You know, I, I think our customers, the things that they, the reason why people are on our website searching for those things is because that's what they're hearing out in the world and therefore that's okay. what they're searching. So there's sort of a, like, I think there's a cyclical relationship there in play. I don't think they're completely disconnected. But I think, again, from, from, a, from the point of view of our customers, I think what we're trying to do is give them data that can offer insight into again, what are people trying to say out there? What are the things they're looking for? And how is that relevant in certain parts of the world or certain industries? But I think you do want to pair that with other ways of identifying those insights. What are you seeing visually on social media? What are you hearing from your customers? Like, I don't think it provides the complete answer, nor is it intended to. And I think it's really important that we, we're clear on that. We're not, we're not trying to provide the full answer. But I think it's part of all that information that people are trying to gather in in order to uh, be creative. I mean, ultimately, it's about the creative process, right? We sometimes call it the blank page problem, which is like, I think that's fascinating because in, in this world that's sort of like on demand, you can theoretically have anything, right? So you say, so oh, you could create anything. You can, there's images of millions of images. You can, any, we have any image you need. Okay, awesome, great. Well, where do I start? Yeah. Like, I need curation. I need someone to tell me what's best. You need to get started. Yeah. So sometimes data can be that inspiration to get started. Sometimes a visual can be that place to get started. We have customers that spend time on our websites browsing. When I say browsing, they're just searching around and they're clicking on categories and they're going through pivot points. And that's because they're not necessarily looking for the right image right now. They're looking for visuals to inspire that creative process. And I think that is even more the case because you have increasingly more people involved in creative work. And I don't like calling them non-creatives because I think everyone is creative. But traditionally, a lot of this work was performed by creative professionals such as graphic designers. And I think now a lot of people, particularly in the SMB space, are wearing multiple hats. And having to do a, a social media post to promote your sale. If you're a company of one person or three to five people, you probably don't have a dedicated designer. You need to do that yourself. So that creative process is new for a lot of people. And sometimes, again, the data information can inspire the idea or the, the, the visual can inspire the idea too. And that's, that's what we're trying to do is fuel that creative process. Mm -hmm. Love it. Do you think there's a space to have design artists or people who are making collections on Getty that you can follow along with where you're like, I like your style. And if you say this is a good image, I just want something from your collection. Instead of browsing everything, it's like, I'm going to go follow this person that I know who anything in there I normally like, it's within the themes, it's with, like whatever it might be. Have you thought about that? Kind of like leveraging, not an influencer, but someone to just make curated collections so I don't have to look at a bunch of stuff. Uh, we, def we, we put a lot of curation mm -hmm. over the top. And when you go to our websites, you'll see uh, streams of images, 
You can go to various pages where we offer curated collections against different categories, different subjects that we see trending. And that's a way of giving people, like narrowing them into things that we've identified as being very compelling, uh, very resonant images. But we do that more, again, at a category level or a subject level, uh, as opposed to at an at a individual artist level. Uh, our contributors do sort of like their own self-promotion, though, where they, they put out work. And we will also spotlight. Uh, we, we have a, an exclusive artist of, of the week that we promote. Uh, so we do spotlight them in some ways, but we find most of our customers are interested in coming at it more from the the subject and the category as opposed to the individual artist, if that makes sense. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So what are you most excited about in the world of imagery over the next couple of years? What are you building towards? What big projects are you wrangling with right now? Like, what are you excited about? I think video is, is definitely an exciting area. Mm-hmm. I think customers are hearing and reading all the metrics around how your conversion and click-throughs and engagement is better with video and have a strong appetite to create with video. And I think that that's an area of big opportunities. How do you unlock that for even more people so that it's easy to find the right piece of footage and easy for them to license and easy for them to to create with video? I think that's always exciting because I think that's just going to unlock creativity for more people. And again, think about cutting through, right? Like, that moving content, I think, is a big way that that's, that's being done, including on social media. I always think that like, I'm fascinated with like, how visuals are changing over time. If you, if you think back to what stock photography looked like, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, it was all really highly composed. Yep. Sitting at a desk. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> the stuff that you can kind of get made fun of for, right? Rightly yeah. so. Really high production vo- values. Everyone was a model. And I, and I think there's been a real push to what, uh, what is authenticity. People want images of, of real people doing real things. Now, that's not to say that that is still not something that is created. It still requires the depth of thought. And that's actually where I, what I think is so interesting about it is that to make an authentic image still requires a lot of thought, still requires the attention to detail, but it's to achieve a different sort of visual outcome. But I, I personally like the fact that it's moving towards uh, far more real diverse, inclusive depictions of, of everything, whether that's what, what uh, a man looks like, what a woman looks like, what, what sexuality looks like, what a marriage looks like, what business looks like. I, I like the fact that we are moving away from uh, things that are more contrived. I think it's a more healthy reflection of, of who we are as people. I, I've always said, like, you know, at Getty Images, I'm purpose-driven, so I like to be a part of something I think is doing good in the world. And at Getty, I think our editorial content clearly plays a role in documenting what's happening around the world. And I think that's really important. But I think it's equally important with creative imagery because I think creative imagery has always been how we reflect ourselves as human beings. And I think that always hasn't been the healthiest. And I want my daughter to be in line with me at the grocery store and see a magazine cover and not think that there is a narrow definition of what a woman looks like that a woman has to be this skinny or shaped a certain way. I want her to feel connected to all the wonderful ways that a woman can look like. And that to me is really important. And I think providing customers with that choice and a range of choice so that there is more out there, and I think is, is really, really cool. And that, that always excites me. Yeah, yeah, that's great. When you said you were excited about video, how are you all leaning into that or what are you looking into? And even thinking about like the new 
technologies and trends around, you know, metaverse and sure. all these things popping up? Like, what are you guys doing? I think the metaverse item is one that's getting a lot of attention right now that we are still forming a point of view around and understanding how that's going to change where our customers are using visuals and are they going to be, how are they going to be marketing themselves within the metaverse and, and what are they going to need to do that? I think that's that's something that's still in its early days. In some ways, I tend to oversimplify things, but I think it's true. Like our, our business hinges on two things happening, which is the customer finding the right piece of visual content. That's where we go back to everything we were talking about before about search and then having a very easy way to license that content. And if either of those things don't happen, then they don't get to a successful outcome and we don't have a successful outcome. You need both, right? Content and easy to license. And easy to license means that they understand exactly what they can use that, that visual for, the right price, it's easy to purchase that license, all of that stuff. So I think one of the things that we've done with video is we've started to offer subscriptions, which this entire business has moved to subscriptions as so many businesses have in the last decade, offering subscriptions that include all of our content, video images, illustrations, all in single subscriptions, where every download is a download. So it's very easy to use and it just, it just gives them that creative freedom. Once they have that plan available to them, now there's not this trade-off decision to make between using video and using, using images because of a cost reason. They just have a plan that gives them access to all of that. So like, again, like making it very simple, but a lot of what we focus on is, again, how do you get the, the people to the right piece of content fast? And how do you make it very easy for them to then get and use that piece of content? And that's, that's no different when it comes to video. Yep. Super exciting. Well, Grant, thank you so much for coming on the show and telling us what you are up to at Getty Images. It's, it'll be fun watching everything you guys roll out and change and update. And so, yeah, thanks so much for coming on here. Where can people find out more about you and Getty Images? Uh, Getty Images, uh, we have three websites, gettyimages.com, iStockphoto.com, and now unsplash.com as well which is a library of images that are free to use. And those are our three brands. So you can access our amazing visual content through each of those websites. And you can also find links to myself and my profile. And uh, if someone needs help or wants to reach out, you can find my email address on there as well. And happy to, happy to connect with anyone out there that needs a hand. Awesome. Thanks so much, Grant. Awesome. Thanks, Stephanie. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.